gorgeous and welcome to the e-commerce uncomplicated podcast the place to be if you want to see your online brand absolutely thrive i'm lisa jones e-com expert multi-million dollar brand founder and mum. i now spend my days helping women all around the world to grow their brands the e-commerce uncomplicated podcast breaks down all the aspects of running a successful business into simple actionable steps delivered in easy to follow bite-sized chunks if you're thinking of starting your own product brand or you already have a brand that's growing then you are in the right place my love let's get started this is e-commerce uncomplicated welcome to this week's podcast I am, as always, super pumped to be here sharing my stories and hoping that in some way that inspires you this week to not give up, to not give in, to feel amped up and inspired and reinvigorated to get stuff done in your business this week. And so today I wanted to share with you, I guess, a little bit of my story and the five things that I've learned from my business successes and failures. Because let me tell you, my friend, you cannot grow eight companies in 14 years without having your own fair share of failures in there. And I'm okay with that. In fact, I kind of brag about it a little because it's in our failures that we actually find the things that we're good at, bad at. We get the tiger stripes, the lessons, the tears. They're the things that teach us how to be better business people. So anybody who tells you that they've never made a mistake in business is telling you whoopsies. It's very important that we recognize and take lessons from the things that have failed as well as pat ourselves on the back when something works well, which I must confess, I'm not always great at doing. Right. So if we're new to each other, here's what you need to know about me. I've had eight companies in 14 years. Three of them have been multi-million dollar brands or are multi-million dollar brands. And uh, I've had a couple of failures as well. Like all good business women, I have raised one daughter of my own and five stepchildren. So I also know a lot about what it's like to juggle. We juggle all kinds of things when we're parents. And a lot of my clients also juggle jobs, part-time or full-time jobs. So my five lessons that I've learned have been learned the hard way. And I feel like I'm hoping they're going to resonate with you today. The very first thing that I've learned is that we can't be everything to everyone. Now I say this because I am sometimes a little bit of a superwoman. And I try really hard not to be a martyr because what happens when we do a little bit of everything is that sometimes we either tell everyone that we're doing a little bit of everything or we build resentment to those around us. So when you're trying to build an e-com brand and a family and potentially as many of you also have jobs, it's really hard to get the juggle right. There's a lot of balancing that goes on. There's a lot of doing lots of little things, maybe half done. It's a really big challenge. I call it the mummy juggle struggle. For those of you that are not mums, you'll have your version of that. And one thing that I learned a long time ago is that I can't be excellent at everything. It's just not possible. So what I learned from that is that it takes a community. I need support. I can't do it all on my own. So I have some really cool strategies that I implement in my own life. I have a housekeeper. One of the best things I've ever done is to employ someone three afternoons a week and they come in and she is amazing. Sharon is in my life. Sharon comes in at two o'clock 
Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and she gets stuck into my housework. She cooks dinner. She makes my lunches for the next day. She washes my sheets on my bed, and she puts my clothes away. And I tell you what, my darlings, I could not do it without her. I honestly would be rocking myself in the corner if I tried to do everything. So please, don't be everything to everyone. Find ways that you can use a community to help you to do the things that you need to do and recognize the things that you are good at. And if you try and do everything for everyone, guess what happens? You end up not being present for your loved ones. And there is nothing that is more debilitating than putting your family after your business. So promise me that you're not going to do that. Promise me that your family always comes first. My loves, I would love to share a little bit of my story with you. You see, eight years ago, I had a nervous breakdown. I was in a pretty toxic marriage with somebody who wasn't very kind. I was running two companies at the same time, not just one, two, both of them being what was kind of multi-million dollar brand status. And I had three little kids at home and it is just not possible to sustain that for a long time. And I did, I just kept going and going and going and I ignored all of the warning signs of burnout. I was having blood tests. I was seeing naturopaths. I couldn't quite figure out why I couldn't get through the day without bursting into tears or drinking coffee or eating a whole block of chocolate. My hair was falling out. I was upset and tired all the time. Looking back, I had an adrenal fatigue problem and I feel like this is a really untalked about topic for women. In my case, I left my marriage. I took six or 12 months where I literally slept for like 16 hours a day and I needed a team around me to make sure that my business kept growing. My daughter was looked after. Uh, You know, this was a complicated time in my life. So I managed to find in those darkest days a new way of measuring my life. And so this is the lesson number two that I've learned from my business successes and failures. And that's about having a really clear criteria for what you want in life. So many people have accidental businesses. They come up with a great idea. They launch it out there. It kind of takes off in one direction and they don't stop and check in. Does that direction actually match what I want out of my life? For me, I'll tell you straight up, my absolute goal and aspirations is to own a restaurant. Now, I know you're probably shocked because this is an e-commerce podcast, but I'm going to be really honest. I'm a foodie from way back and I have always wanted a Vietnamese noodle bar. You know, a little funky hole in the wall, really yummy food, cool service. Now, I might hanker after that. I may stay up late at night writing out my menu and dreaming about the shop fit out. But it doesn't actually match my criteria in life because when I sat down and I wrote a really clear spreadsheet of what I wanted to get out of my business, what I was prepared to put in and what I wanted the business to deliver back to me, I got really clear on a couple of things and I'll share a few with you today. The first thing is that my business must be season proof and recession proof because I can't stand when things turn off for a few months at a time and I'm expected to live without income. I had that in my first multi-million dollar brand and I hated that. So that was one of my criteria. The second one is that I must be able to work from anywhere on any device. And that is because I'm a mum first and foremost, and I'm really clear about that. 
I love my businesses, but they come second to my family. And when I acknowledge that, I know that means I need to be available for school drop-offs, school pickups, school holidays where I can't actually work as much on school holidays. And therefore, even just on my first two criteria alone, a Vietnamese restaurant doesn't fit that. It has seasons where people don't eat out as much. It is a kind of business where I need to be very on you know, like I actually have to show up to a bricks and mortar store. And I love my online businesses for the ability to run them from anywhere in the world on any device. And that just does not work in a Vietnamese noodle bar. So my big lesson that I learned was that I always must have a clear criteria of what I'm prepared to put into my business and what I will get out of it. So my loves, your goal today is to sit down with a piece of paper and work out what yours is. What do you want to earn? How much are you prepared to work? What ties you to your business? What are the things that you need to be getting out of it and what fills you with joy? When you've worked that out, you can make decisions at every fork in the road that your business presents to you. And trust me, your business will have many forks in the road. You need to be able to say, if I go left on that fork, does that match my criteria? Hmm, maybe not. If I go right, am I getting closer to matching the lifestyle that I want? Maybe yes. So getting really clear on your criteria is one of the most invaluable lessons that I've learned in my 14 years in business. And that leads me into my third lesson that I've learned, which is about finding your genius zone in business, getting really clear about the things that you enjoy doing in your business and the things that you damned well hate. Because I promise you that each and every one of you listening to this podcast will be brilliant at some things and god-awful at others. And that is okay. Finding your genius and knowing what bits you're good at allows you to set up your business to match your genius zone. And if you're clever, it allows you to outsource and automate all the bits you suck at. And you know what that does? That gives us longevity with our business. That means that we're not going to get resentful in two years time when we're still not drawing that much of a wage, but we're waking up every day and we're hustling and we're bustling and all the things that we need to do with our beautiful e-com brands. If we're working on the things that we love, well, are we going to get out of bed with a little bit more pep in our step? Chances are we are. So I need for you to be really clear about what your genius zone is and then find ways to automate or outsource the other parts of that. And if you hang on to this podcast at the end, I'm going to give you a couple of tips on how to figure that out. That definitely leads me into my lesson number four, which is about outsourcing the little stuff. So something that I learned a million years ago in business is that I can't do everything in my business. It's just not possible. And if I'm following my other lessons about only doing the things I'm good at, well, damn, what do I do with the other things I'm not good at or that I hate? And that is where I am a master at outsourcing. So I always start with the bits that I least enjoy doing and or the bits that are the easiest to outsource. So that includes things like home chores. It includes things in businesses in an e-com brand. It's most likely to be customer service or order picking or supply chain. They're kind of the three that I certainly don't enjoy. And I am so much happier outsourcing those to a mum somewhere in Australia or overseas who I know is going to do an amazing job. And that frees me up to do the bits that I'm really good at. And so I want you to start to consider what could you outsource in your business in order to feel happier and to scale up your revenue and to focus on the things that you're actually really good at. 
Now, how might you know what your business is doing if you're not looking at your numbers? This is a topic that I'm also super passionate about, and I really hope that you're not going to turn off this podcast and disappear like so many women do when we talk about numbers and money, because it's a little bit boring, and I'm going to totally own that. But what I want for you to do is say, hey, Lisa, I am not great at my numbers, but I know I need to be a lot better, and you're going to pull out a piece of paper and pay attention because... If we don't know our numbers, we are basically flying blind and there is nothing stupider than hopping into a car or onto a plane with somebody who has a blindfold on. You wouldn't do it. Let me tell you a little story. About nine years ago, I had a brand that was doing $3 million a year. It was actually a solar. I had a solar heart dealership and I had a solar power business and we did rainwater tanks and energy efficient pool pumps. It was a pretty cool little brand. We had about 12 staff and we're doing about $3 million a year. We had a bricks and mortar warehouse and it was kind of the business that I did everything wrong, right? But absolutely learned a million gazillion lessons in it. And one of the most heartbreaking ones was that we were flying blind with our numbers. In fact, what would often happen is that we were spending money faster than we were earning it. And every month on the 31st of the month, we had to pay our solar bill, right? So it was our invoice to our main supplier, and it would often be 100 grand, 130 grand. Like I'm talking big numbers here, right? And we would get to like the 20th of the month, the 24th of the month, and there would be like 30 grand in the bank account. And I would be like literally lying in bed at night sleepless, worrying about how we were going to pay this invoice. And of course, every month we got there, even if it was a few days late. And that side of things on a cash flow level can totally unhinge businesses. But the thing that really unhinged us was that because we didn't know our numbers very well, and every time the accountant emailed me, I would kind of ignore it because it became a really funky topic for me. I didn't want to know about the money problems because it hurt. It was ugly. It was a bit like pulling a bandaid off before the scab heals. You're like, oh, it hurts and it's ugly and don't make me do it. So I ended up, we got ourselves in a position where we were literally about to go bankrupt. It wouldn't have happened if a government rebate hadn't turned off, but because I was using next month's sales to pay the previous month's suppliers, one month the rebates for solar turned off and we had no sales for about three months. And of course your suppliers go, well, hey, where's my invoice getting paid? And you're like, well, I haven't got any sales to pay that invoice. It was really stupid. And looking back, I've made a lot of mistakes in business. But remember back to the start of this podcast, our mistakes make us stronger and I will never make them again. Oh, and by the way, we didn't go bankrupt despite my middle of the night fears and terrifying thoughts that we were about to get kicked out on the street and my children wouldn't be able to eat. That actually never happened. We agreed to pay our suppliers off over 12 months. We pivoted. We made a heap more money from something else and paid everyone back within about six months. And then I had a bunch of money in the bank and I was able to launch my nappy brand, Eco Originals, which I'm really proud of. And that is a beautiful story for another day. But back to knowing your numbers and why it's so important. What I do now is that I track my numbers every single day in my business. That means a member of my team inside of my Slack account, which is the team communications platform that I use to talk to all my team remotely. And if you have even just one outsourced 
person working for you and your brand, you need to be using Slack. It is just the most beautiful, simple piece of software for you to communicate from your desktop or your mobile with all of your team. Now in Slack every day, somebody in my team uploads my numbers. Numbers are only scary when we're flying blind, but when we bring our numbers to the surface and we look at them, we're able to feel much cleaner and clearer about the direction of our business. It gives us the ability to make decisions about our business that makes us more confident in the decisions that we're making. It's so important, my loves, that you get clear on your numbers. So like all my podcasts, five lessons, amazing lessons, Lisa. I know I can hear you saying it now. Genius, gold, love what you've shared with me. But what do I do with these lessons? Where do I take it now? So I always want to finish my podcast by sharing with you guys some strategies of ways that you can take the things I teach you and implement them inside your brand. So The first thing is we can't be everything to everyone. So what I want for you to do is to consider what you might be able to take off your plate. If you are in the mummy juggle struggle, or if you are on the mouse wheel where every day feels like entrepreneurial groundhog day, where you are overwhelmed and tired, I want for you to write down on a piece of paper now, how can I ask for help? Or who can I ask for help? Who in my world might be able to help take something off my plate? Learn to start saying no to things, right? So that is the first tip that I can give you today. Please write that down and action that in your life and be thinking about that over the next week. The second thing that would be amazing if you could find the time to do is to work out a criteria for you. What is your criteria for your business and your relationship with your business? So I like to start with five or six pieces that are my criteria, what I want to earn, what hours I want to do, what relationship I want to have with it, what boundaries I'm going to put in place with my business. And then over time, you might continue to flesh that out and you might end up with 20 or 30 points that form your criteria with your business. And I want for you to review it every six months. So that's point number two today. Point number three is what can you outsource? How can you find somebody else? And that brings me to point number four, which is what is your genius zone? So they two, those two kind of stick together because when you get really clear about what you're good at, and so to do that, I want for you to write down what are the things that you're really good at in your business and hint, they're the things we usually do first. We gravitate to do the things every day that we're good at, and we totally and utterly ignore the things we suck at. So write a little list of the things you love doing and the things that you hate doing, because nothing is more disheartening than waking up every day and doing the things that you hate to do. And that brings me to point number five, which is knowing your numbers. So what I would love for you to do, my love, is to sit down and work out what your break-even point in your brand is every month. That means that you know what it is you're spending on your operating expenses in your business every month in order for you to break even. That it might include your landed cost of your products. And look, to be fair, this is a pretty complicated topic and I'm going to do other podcasts on it. But start by having a look at your numbers in zero. If you're already on zero, print a cash flow summary for the last three months, get a highlighter and get really clear about what your monthly numbers look like to break even so that you can start to pay yourself a little bit of money every week and feel rewarded by your brand. And that is my podcast for you today. I hope, my love, that you have a bunch of ideas and strategies that you can go away and implement after this podcast. And I am sending you all my love today. 